2: You're very welcome to this week's podcast, Links to the Great Famine. I'm Maurice O'Keefe, and over the years, we at Irish Life Indoor Archives have collected many stories connected to the Irish Famine. It was a period of mass starvation and disease in the 1840s, and over a million people died and a similar number emigrated, leaving A great upheaval and migration in the country. And to tell the story, you will hear the voices of people who are only two generations removed from that awful time. And we start. The Moonies of the Dune in County Offaly were landlords there for many generations.
3: We have the famine book over there as well. Here was the what's known as the soup kitchen. Mm. for the people all around to come. And the government, this was now in Francis Mooney's time, you you fed so many people, you were given the amount of stuff. It's all written down.
4: It all came to Burr. Now, Burr was the headquarters of the of this area of Ireland, and there was a man there, it was administered from Dublin, which was the chief place, of course, and OHMS was stamped on everyone, you know. And he had was issued money and he had to get soup with, uh, buy um, uh, rice. And a hundred weight of rice, you know, would do so many hundred people for so long. All that was worked out. And that was the, the only thing they had to live on.
3: This is the rent. Sorry.
4: It's not complete. No,
3: we don't ever show this round because, you see, there were people still here with that name and they wouldn't at all like to know. that well, These were letters now from the government, you see.
4: Um, so what to do with, with a um, hundredweight of rice, you know, how it should be apportioned. And steep for so many pints of water for so long, and then boil, and that was sufficient to do so many it's souls. Not, is that? People were referred to as souls, not as yes as souls. As, Wasn't souls. That strange
3: yeah. to, to feed so many souls? Now, Roy, I wonder where that thing from the government is.
2: Well, well, all all through this, you I, have the right in the middle of the famine, right all the way the sun, through then. the famine. Yes.
4: You're into a button green son um, there now at
2: that 47. book. Forty-seven, yes, Ju- June, June, forty-seven, and all the way up to forty-eight. Yes. He, he died in
4: forty-two. You see, uh, this
3: would be. You see, then that would be That's in forty-seven as well.
4: Yes, that would be the son of button green. Forty-seven. See, uh, these
3: are all to the inspecting officer of each union.
4: How's Francis?
3: The relief commissioners have been apprised by reports from the inspecting officers of some new few few unions that relief committees have refused to afford gratuitous relief to persons who appeared to be in the most decided and abject state of destitution or have otherwise issued an amount of food utterly insufficient to support life for any length of time
4: Died about 50, 50 years ago he, he told us when he was uh, Augustine, as he said, that one of his he brothers a, died. and they, He was
3: four years of age. He
4: was four years of age, and an elder brother died. And uh, they, they took the coffin. They walked with it, the comic noise, so seven miles. But there was no other way. And when they got back, there was another brother dead.
3: Well, I found in that desk five large vellum pieces of paper, and uh, stamped, you know, with the... Um
2: government stamp.
3: Yep. stamp. No, not the government stamp, but the, no, the, the ordinary wax.
2: Oh, the wax seal.
3: Yeah, the yes. wax seal. And it was to say that this Bridie McHugh will have no further call on my son as she has been paid the sum of £20. Her thumb. She was illiterate, you see. Now that was it was quite an industry. Yeah. That twenty pounds for Mary Ann bring her meant she could choose her husband. It was a large fortune.
4: Either she'd go to America, honestly, oh, to bring uh, and two of them
3: down in the yard. Is a huge, huge cauldron.
4: Oh, that was the famine pot. That and was, it was the known soup. as the famine yeah, pot. pot,
3: and that was where the thing was cooked. The what was known as. Um, Yellow meal. I don't know what it Yellow yeah, meal maize, ground maize. maize, is it?
2: And that yeah, that's what they yes. yes. ate. And and, and, and and so much tank.
3: salt yes. and so much um, yes. something that, else. That the, and that that government. amount was to it was certain then you see it with the water to cook, to cook it. And life. that was to feed so many souls mm.
5: at each time.
2: Case little
5: my granny was a hundred and eight.
2: Was your granny a hundred and eight? My
5: great-granny was a hundred and eight. Uh, Hurley. From where? She le- originally came from between Wicklow and Carlow, down that end, uh, Angus. Yeah. Uh, from the granny Hurley, that was a... Yeah, she was a great... You know, we were all mad about her. We'd rather have heard her. My mother's mother. mother's granny. Yeah, Yeah, granny her she
2: lived through the famine, so
5: she did, and she'd tell you all about finding dead people sitting on the side of the road. She had, oh, there was a fella down the road. I, she said and gone out a lot of Lord have mercy on the chap. She was in, she was coming home one time, and there was a woman sitting in a ditch, and a woman was trying to feed a child, which had known the woman was dead. Mm. The child was trying to, and we ran and took the baby. And my granny brought a baby, and she she brought her up up in the attic in the in the cow place. And the man, the man who worked in the yard, he had the baby in the cage. Went and visited.
2: Your your granny used to find people dead Dinner, on the side did, of the road.
5: They, she often saw them, but she, she, this woman it was in Wicklow anyway, and she said the woman was was sitting on the side of the road dead, and the child was trying to get through of course. And the granny brought the baby home. She left a woman in the ditch and they never found out who the woman was. Around. But anyway, that's what she had. She had the baby in the loft and the man that was working for them heard the baby crying in the loft and went up to investigate. And they all thought it was the grannies.
2: What happened to the child afterwards?
5: Her mother read it.
2: And what, did the, what was the name of the child? Did Bill. They called her, called, they called him Bill? Yeah. So her maiden name would have been Long. Long, is mm. it? And And her home was down in Wicklow, was it? In yeah. That
5: area? Don't, don't love them.
2: A family of eight children who lived in a small village in West Limerick walked all the way to a poor house in Newcastle West and at the door they were refused entrance. And Sean Histon, whose people came from the same village... Never forgot the story he heard.
6: Here, there's a short roadway going across there now. Oh, well, it is fairly, uh, fairly prefective. There is a lot of buildings in it, which wasn't there long ago. But during the famine, things were very tough, and the years were tough, the climate. And one night there was a snowstorm. And the cloud from Ruska, that's that direction from back in the hills. Very high. You can see that now. You can see Ruska Hills from us behind you now. And you can know be you know, all, all
2: the way from it, at a Ah, you can over, see it. Yes. yes,
6: you can see Ruska Hills. It is nothing over the mass of timber. It is a mass now of... Oh, they're growing trees all it's over grown it. they yeah. trees yes. all over it now. Yeah. But it is the highest hill in Limanick. But they lived in the part, part hill portion of it. And by Jesus, I suppose, that was what them did. But there is something about eight of them, what was fairly ripe and strong, landed there one night. Refused admission. It snowed again. They took shelter by the wall, by, and there was a wall, a wall of less houses there. No. They were dead in the morning. There were a few dead mission here. They were so full of them said they couldn't take in any more. And that ate them in the murder.
2: Adrian Cosby's family's estate at Strad Valley examines maps and old rental records relating to the Great Famine.
7: Well, great-grandfather's mother was very rich and she, she, what she did was she sold the cattle on the lawn. I th- mm. imagine because... Um, They'd get stolen anyway, but uh, she bought in Indian corn and she fed the people from the from the uh, uh, Slim Blue Mountains. Apparently, were the ones that were mainly starving. There wasn't there wasn't any particular famine mm. in this area, and, and a man that was working for us who came from the Roundwood area, he said actually out round Roundwood there wasn't much famine, according to his father, but that in the sleep Loom Mountains they were dying like flies. Mm-hmm. And and this seems to have been uh, the, the, the problem. Um, the, the other problem after that seems to have been that food was available, but uh, you, you needed money to buy it. And <clears throat> they... Uh, the, the, these people just couldn't uh, the, these guys were going hawking food around for whoever pay the most for it you see this was the, it it was a horrible mm. situation but i don't know um i mean great grandfather mother was as i say she was very rich and i i suspect she fed more people than anybody else did there was all sorts of ridiculous schemes <coughs> they were terrified of uh interfering with normal trade you see i mean people were just being building for their food Uh, Which is more or less slave labour. I mean, that's going to undermine, and this is what they were afraid of. You see, I think Uh, again, um, a lot of it was uh, they 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 didn't they 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 didn't wake up in England to how bad it was. I think uh, to start with, Uh, the Queen Victoria apparently um, gave two thousand. She didn't give five pounds, but she ordered all the churches to collect for Ireland and from from what i gather then was that uh, they, they 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 kept saying you see that Ireland was costing money all the time, but I mean if they didn't give people a means of earning money, how how are they supposed to to pay for it? You see, um, and again there was a fair amount of lawlessness about because I mean that that, that, that huge population, the, um, it must have been uh, a survival of the fittest. But ha-
2: have you any idea what kind of schemes were set up by by well the, locally
7: the here. Um, there was. Um, I, I can show you exactly because there's a, there's a book on the famine, at oh, least a map of the famine. I think it's in the. Now, uh, Stradley was landlord town and its relief committee reported on the 27th of June 1846. The poorer classes of the town are supplied with plenty of Indian meal. Oatmeal was sold at the rate of four shillings per hundred weight, given at half price and gratis according to the needs of the recipient. But they still had to come up with some some payment. For well, it. well, some cases uh, people did have to pay, but uh, if they could pay, you see. But if they couldn't pay, yeah. they were they were given it. And, uh, otherwise, they weren't giving everything out free. Oh, this is the library, is it? Yes. uh, I don't know whether this does do the acreage on this. This is the 19th century, when it was down to 10,000 acres.
2: And this is the the estate maps?
7: Yes, of 1862. Uh, uh, That shows the estate... Then, I don't know that it gives you an acreage there, but uh, that's the uh, Stradley Estate. You see, it goes down to a tail here. Mm -hmm. Well, this is because the O'Moors here didn't rebel, and the O'Kelly's here didn't rebel. (laughs) So they were left their lands. You weren't allowed to touch the land if anybody didn't rebel. Uh,
2: What kind of numbers of tenants were on the estate?
7: Well... Uh, I can show you a rent book on that Uh, but those give uh, details of the townlands now this is dated 1877 Uh, I have an earlier one can we Um, go back to the famine times well a lot of these have not changed you see because um, uh, tenants are that's that's a, a former lease uh, uh, the, these are the, the first ones um, so what was the cost um, put, per, per acre
2: per acre
7: agomatic thirty one uh, yearly rent uh, acreage is thirty it's about a pound an acre who were the tenants can, you, can you go through their names um in Rathmore, William Hobarton, Reverend Thomas Cuddy, Lawrence Dunn, William Gerd, Peter Walsh, John Salter, John Kelly, John Bow, Andrew Bow, William Gerd, Martin Shortle, Andrew Shortle, William Lawler, Joe McLaughlin, Thomas Gannon, William Gerd, Thomas G- Salter, William Graham, William Lewis, Michael Brophy, Mary Marne, William Cushion, uh, Edward Purcell uh, John Purcell William Hoverton Bridget Donahue Thomas Marr William Hannigan Michael Kagan I mean th- 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 there were thousands of people who went yeah. through our rents at different stages and that, that, that's just one page there's yeah. only one page yeah. these
2: are the reports is there any report of a of an eviction?
7: <laughs> Not very often, um, has had to go into the madhouse family will pay shortly <laughs> uh, ejectment obtained of this to obtain over if twenty pounds we say ten were put in Deacon well, they're still here, so they <laughs> they can't have been ejected. What year is this? 1842, 1843. Cosby v Cosby. You see, this is a handover. What actually happened was that I think (laughs) she paid his debts and he didn't hand over and so they had to take an action against him to do so. Now, the widow widow Griffin... uh, Uh, Notable to pay this arrears and rear insolvent. 1943 ejectment here one Uh, what does that mean it means that they've been put out of the farm who is that widow Cahill has she not paid the rent or has she paid the rent I don't know 12 present arrears 21 16 and sixpence Um, that was quite a lot wasn't it it is quite a lot of money yes uh you see obviously because she's a widow they haven't done anything about it uh 12 yearly rent 12185 total rent and arrears is 24 received 2, <laughs> 2. six shillings this tenant alleges he paid 214 arrears to Richard Christian late bailiff who was murdered and showed his receipt and objects to pay it again uh, there's a fair number of arrears actually if you look at them this, this is the ones that um, that they owe um, you see all that's arrears where are these Glenmore Ballymadoc Rathmore there's a huge amount of them in arrears but i uh, uh, um, He's tot- i mean his rent was twelve fifteen and he 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 hasn't paid uh, you see this is about the time that the Indian corn is beginning to come in I think who was the land agent at that time well I mean Bailey was the man that was collecting the rents uh, th- th- he would have been prior to Weber, which was a very good one that we had in the 1870s. Mm-hmm. He, he was a retired Indian civil so, servant. I mean, you can see from his yeah things very clearly. There's the journal of the Irish House Commons there, and I think so. I mean, that should be studied as to what they did, rather than just saying that they were uh, they, 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 they were Protestant gentry or something. You see, and and, and dismiss
8: everything. Mm.
2: Paddy Lory's people lived on the Schliepholm Mountains. And in this area that we were standing on, Paddy pointed out the amount of people that left or died.
9: There was a, a, a big population here one time. There was there was uh, in 1841 there were 219 people living in that area. Area just that you're looking at there now. Was there?
2: in there, I don't see a house.
9: yet yeah, uh, yeah, Well, no, there's just a few houses there. But there was houses dotted all over that. There were two hundred and nineteen people living in it uh, in eighteen forty-one, just before the famine. Befo- yeah, but after the famine, then in eighteen fifty-one, uh, there was only a uh, hundred and nineteen people. Uh, they were knocked over with with uh, uh Evictions and all this—that's it. Or one, there was an eviction here, and um, uh, the people then oh, that left it and and died out of it, and all this—that's the thing. Now, uh, that um, uh it was it was tough, and and, and here in this Regan here, just further up here now, there was um. There was over 119 people in it at at that time, and there was only, after the famine, there was only um, 39 people in it, that'll tell you that they got a bit of a growing here right here in this particular spot you're standing in now, just from here up now is Glen Regan you see, that place up there.
2: But I would think very hard to su- to survive on these hills. I mean uh, really, I can't imagine
9: the land being good. No, it wasn't good that was anything uh well you wouldn't you get it very hard to keep going, you know what I mean? Like, but the, the, some of them were working in the local down with the local landlords and that class of things, you know, they're getting a bit there and they were just just surviving. I you do know, no just it's just surviving. And a lot of them went away and never came back. Now, many of
2: these people were evicted out of their houses as well.
9: Oh, God, there was, yeah. Because um, uh, in 1844, uh, actually, uh, the 21st of March, 1844, the local Unionist paper in Burr the King's County Chronicle uh, recorded from our Kennedy correspondent uh, evictions towards the last the sub-sheriff accompanied by Mr John Ashton receiver under the courts and a party of police proceeded to the lands of Four within one mile of this town that's Kennedy and turned no less than 27 families comprising 126 individuals out of their holdings. On the following day 18 houses were levelled. These persons owed a considerable arrear of rent. The the nominal owner of these lands is a Mr Torpen, a miner. He was only a child. Mm-hmm. And this Ashton was his agent, and uh, torpen was living in England, and Ashton was a local. So no, so that was that. That was the result of that, Paddy. The, the, they levelled all the houses. They levelled the houses and
2: gave nobody a chance
9: to they come back. They gave no again. one a chance to come back. They came back the the next day and levelled ASE of the houses. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. You have the record here with
9: you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now uh, just below the village of Kennedy, around the same time there was um, uh, in a place called Kyle Concouse, it's known as Kyle, no, Kyle of Wood. Uh, there was fifty-six persons uh, left Kyle and the eleventh of June in eighteen fifty two. That's in the parish of Kennedy, you now, uh, they left for New York and uh, some of the names of the people were Blakes Duns Fitzgeralds Horns Carnies Keenahans, Kennedys Lowrys your own people yes some yeah. of them Spains and Whites and now the strange thing about it was there was a Patrick Lowry the same name as myself uh, himself, his wife, and three children. The wife and three children were sent to New York, and he was sent to Philadelphia because he had one eye. So he must have gone to a fight or something. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, uh, and because of that, he he uh, uh, he, he was, wasn't allowed into uh, uh, no. He wasn't a, he wasn't allowed to. Go to the same place as they were. Imagine.
2: yeah. That is. It's just yeah. there in, the, in, in, in this document you've yeah. got. From North Tipperary, Jack Powell. Talk to me about your grandfather, and uh, he must have been born sometime during the famine.
1: Well, he was born in 1830. And in 1848, well, at that period, when people were starving. One of his chores was his father sent him to the village of Tumivara with a horse load of turnips. And he just chipped up the turnips in the village square and people came and helped themselves. And I suppose if you're starving, hungry and you have nothing as a boiled turnip is better than no bread, shall we say. But that that was one of his chores. I often heard my father talk about it and old people when I started practice in Norty Pray, they reminded me of those farming
2: years. And he was obviously farming nearby. He had
10: the... Well,
1: see, where I was born, the farm Blaine, as I told you, mm-hmm. which my great-grandfather leased in 1825, he was born there and all belong to me are still there. The seventh generation is still there. But it's only a mile from the village. I walked from Blaine to the local school in Tumivara yeah, yeah, in that's 1920s. The 90s, yes. And um, all my pals were from that, from that era and that era.
2: But just imagine the, uh, the 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 famine. Was that did that affect this area? Uh, I, I it must have been devastating in parts of the county. Oh, I
1: think in the west of Ireland it was probably at its worst. But it was dreadful. ever. the potato crop failed. The potato crop, which was if you like the staple diet, mm-hmm. it it failed completely due to blight, and. Uh, People, small farmers, who were dependent on the generosity of their landlords, which wasn't always forthcoming, well, they were literally hungry. Mm. And, as I say, the old man wouldn't have sent a load of turnips down and he felt that they might, mm. as I say, help I know, some, some hungry people. But I often think, that, as I say, we're accused of living in the past, and but that brings it very much into the present as far as I'm concerned. That, as I say, my grandfather had that sort of job. And it was done as a... He, no, he just took them down and tipped them there. He knew that people would help themselves. But it gives you some idea of what the famine was like.
2: From Ballinacere in West Kerry, Paddy Flahov.
11: Well, oh, when they spoke, she was born on the same as the famine. Yeah. The, you know. I said, on the same as the famine, she was born.
2: Did she talk much about... That time, or?
11: You know, there was about 15 families, and more, one time, I suppose. And you know, it, uh, they used to live, uh, set a few ridges, I suppose, so you them there, and I think that, that, they used to bring, it, bring it, the sandwich t- 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 to Manuro up the cliff t- in the basket. From Tourn of Fuller,
2: in West Limerick, Jackie Lenehan.
8: Then my grandfather's mother was evicted. At that time, people didn't own their own land. It belonged to a landlord. And who was the landlord? Uh, Dinscombe was the name of the landlord, and he lived in Cork. And if we ever go out to Mount Collins, there's a bridge at this side of Mount Collins, Dinscombe's bridge, built in 1852. And he was a landlord. And um, the women, and you were were put out of their farms in the lower part of Carleway and put up into the mountain. And they had to build mud houses. And my grandfather said, you wouldn't see the few cattle they had inside the heather. The heather was so high for that to build houses. They survived. And when they were put out of their land, they thought they might get it back. They walked from carloway to Cork City, 75 miles, and snow on the ground. And they went to a catcher. They used grey ploward, was a very rare bird in those days, and there was people able to knit do you see. And they got a dirty plever and went on for Cork. cock, and they went to the landlord's house, and the landlord's wife came out, and she told him, she had seen, she came back, and she said, the bones have made they've nothing to do. And their legs were for all blisters. And they knew a man in Cork named John O'Neill, and his wife left the blisters in their feet. And they came home, I don't know how they came home, I don't know. But that was the story he used to tell.
2: And from the outskirts of Cork City, Gretel owns.
0: My grandfather was born during the famine, and uh, he was an only child, which I can well understand. They were starving, uh, because I suppose childbirth wouldn't be the best thing in the world. But um, they always had a, a bit of land, and they could grow a few things, I suppose, that kept them alive. Really, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it was—it must have been very difficult to survive that, you know, because they weren't near the sea, so they couldn't fish or anything like that. Yeah. But um, when they were three, they were evicted from their far from their home and their farm. And um, not because they didn't pay the rent, but because he wanted the farm just. And uh, she said that they lived in a cow shed for five years. She didn't talk much about it. No, I'm so sorry she didn't now. But um, I said to her once, how did that that affect you? And she said, well, I felt that nothing worse could ever happen ever again. She said we just lived in the cowshed for five years, her mother, and her father, and she had um, four, f- five siblings. Yeah, they came out. They come out very strong people because they wouldn't have survived. If they weren't strong, you know. Yeah, they just seem. They they must have been physically amazingly strong, because um, you couldn't survive that. I think if.
2: Okay, and and, and uh, this this was the property of the landlord, of course. This this coacher, I suppose.
0: Well, yes, but he allowed them live there.
2: Yeah. And Who was the landlord?
0: Sure, no, uh, I think she was called the deputy or something. Can't think. I think he lived somewhere on Blarney.
2: And from Kilkenny, Jim Wallace, he now farms the land which was once the Flood Hall estate. The reason why we're here
12: is to point out this field to you that was exchanged for a sack of yellow meal in nineteen and forty eighteen and forty seven and, and the famine years the, it was they they must have been desperate because knowing the love the Irish people always had for their land, but they couldn't eat the field, and they were probably starving. And the field was exchanged. It's about three acres, possibly worth sixty thousand in today's value. Some price for a sack of yellow meal. The old lady who told me the story told me the story sometime in the very early forties, and she was eighty at that time. And she seemed to have known, possibly, told me the names of the the family, but I've had forgotten. Just, I think there's an outline of where there was a cabin or a house or something.
2: Mm-hmm. There no, are. Not a trace. Not a not trace. Not
12: a stone upon a stone. Not a stone upon a stone.
2: Padrico O'Callag from West Donegal.
11: I arrived in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, this area here with a donkey and two creels and all his belongings. That was around about 18... It was around about the famine times. Yeah. And came into the parish, yeah.
2: Did he have a family, or was he only his... Himself own? And the
11: brother, John Kelly.
2: And as soon as they arrived here, did they... What happened, do you know? Did they Did they get a bit of land, or... Well, I
11: suppose they, they if you like, uh, took a bit of land... But, uh, Depends on which we look at. It belonged to the landlord, or it belonged to the priest? But the the, the people rather. Uh, the landlord claimed all this land here. The uh, Landlord was John, for this parish here was John Alford, but we had seven other seven six other landlords altogether in uh, this parish, and they claimed the rights of all the all the land. It was granted to. Alfreds in the year uh, 1633.
2: Okay, and it's known uh, that the, the town is uh, Fall Carry. Cara. Uh, fall Carra. What does it mean in English?
11: Fall is a wall. Carra is crooked. The crooked wall. Or uh, the rigid wall. Yeah. And Molly
2: Hogan from East Galway spoke about her people's misfortune during the famine.
10: You'll hear another nod story. Like someone would say, What did you do that time and how did you manage it? she said 'cause she'd go out to dig potatoes and there's no potatoes in the field and I dunno how the what how they finished up. She talked about then when she got married and came to Hill and how they said if the landlord wanted them for a day's work they'd just had to go and leave their own best day or whatever it was. And uh, he was he ruled the place over everything
2: was there many evictions taking place at the time?
10: I don't know, maybe not when I suppose in my mother's father's side they were evicted below in planters, and I had a fairly must have a fairly big amount land in it. It seems they had to come over here to Esker School in over here someplace and found a corner there whether they had a house in it or what I don't know but they started their forge there again and he worked there for a while and it seems uh, then it seems the men around it the land up our country now what, what we have now or uh, anyone around the place has he wanted a blacksmith or a farrier or whatever correct word to do. and uh, he he brought him up and he gave him a job and he built a little house for him and that's how he got
13: to i and
2: from North Kerry poet and writer Brendan Kennelly
13: it was the, the, what, the, what the famine killed, yeah. the dancers and the singers, you know, and uh, spontaneity. My dark fathers lived the intolerable day, committed always to the night of wrong. Stiffened at the hearthstone, the woman lay, perished feet nailed to her man's breastbone. Grim houses beckoned in the swelling gloom of monster fields, Where the Atlantic night fettered the child within the pit of doom, and everywhere a going down of light. And yet upon the sandy Kerry shore, the woman once had danced at ebbing tide because she loved flute music, and still more because a lady wondered at the pride of one so humble. That was long before the clean plant glimmered like an easy chance. When wounds of hunger howled at every door, she heard the music dwindle and forgot the dance. Such mercy as the wolf receives was hers, whose dance became a rhythm in a grave, achieved beneath the thorny, savage firs that yellowed fiercely in a mountain wave, immune to pity she whose crime was love, crouched, shivered, searched the threatening sky, discovered certain signs, compelled to move her to her innocent, appalling cry. Skeletoned in darkness, my dark fathers lay unknown and could not understand the giant grief that trampled night and day, the awful absence moping through the land. Upon the headland, the encroaching sea left sand that hardened after tides of spring. No dancing feet disturbed that liberty, and those who loved good music ceased to sing. Since every moment of the clock accumulates to form a final name, since I am come of kerry, clay, and rock, I celebrate the darkness and the shame that could compel a man to turn his face against the wall, withdrawn from life so strong and undeceiving, spanceled in a place of unapplauding hands and broken song.
2: We've come to the end of the links to the Great Famine, and you've been listening to the voices of Ryan Kitty Mooney of the Dune in County Offaly, the late Kate Little, Rat Farnham, South Dublin, the late Sean Histon, West Limerick, Adrian Cosby, Stradbally Hall in County Leash, the late Paddy Lowry, Kennedy in County Offaly, the late Jack Powell, Nina. County Tipperary the late Paddy Flahov Balanissair in West Kerry the late Jackie Lenehan Tournafalla West Limerick Greta Owens Cork City Jim Wallace Stone in County Kilkenny Padraig O'Callagh from West Donegal and the late Molly Hogan from West Galway and we finished with Brendan Kennelly Trinity College in Dublin. You can listen to the full-length interviews. You will find them on our website www.irishlifeandlore.com. My name is Maurice O'Keefe and thank you for listening and look forward to bringing you a podcast again next week.